This is The Ignition Show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to our podcast. My name is Chris Jansen, host of The Ignition Show, where our aim is to create meaningful conversations with switched on people about things that matter. Matter in the pursuit of your potential and igniting the flame within you to live your best and full life. What is your core philosophy about health? I mean, what is going to determine your level of lifetime health? And how much control do you have over that? Is it your genetics? Are you destined to live or die just as your parents did? Is your core belief that after a certain age, I don't know, maybe 35, 50, or 70, it's pretty much downhill, a slow, inevitable decline of wellness, activity, flexibility, or movement? Or do you have massive control and influence over your lifespan, your vitality, and your physical body functions? It's a very important question to ponder. What is your core philosophy about your health? And to look in the mirror at not just your beliefs, but the daily choices you make. Because let's be honest, it's simply not true that you are 100% regulated by your genetics. You have incredible influence over your lifespan, your health span, and your longevity. But it's a field that's riddled with misinformation and conflicting advice. So that's why I prefer to seek out the real experts and bring to you people who have done the deep work, the research, the testing, the broad experience and exposure, those who know what absolutely works for the masses, not just themselves. It's why I'm excited to bring to you today's conversation with Udo Erasmus. Udo has been leading the charge for decades, helping millions of people take control of the core elements of their health, their diet, and frankly, their happiness. Enjoy the conversation. On today's show, we're speaking with Udo Erasmus, a world-renowned pioneer in health and wellness industry, having created flax oil and the healthy fats movement. Like all good heroes' journeys, Udo's journey to health truly started in 1980 when he was called into battle. In his case, the enemy was in the form of pesticide poisoning. After being underwhelmed by what medical doctors offered as a solution to his poisoning, Uda realized he had to take 100% responsibility for his own health and specifically looked to food as the main medicine and began a quest to learn everything he could about disease, health, the body, mind, and nutrition. Now, for the past 40 years, he has passionately helped millions of people take control of their health through his Udo's Choice line of products, thousands of lectures, his online programs, and best-selling books. Bursting into the headlines with his book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, his latest book is called Total Sexy Health, The Eight Key Parts Designed by Nature. Udo, welcome to The Ignition Show. Hey, glad to be on. And the book is actually called The Book on Total Sexy Health. The book. All right, we'll get to the, yeah, we'll get to if you go to Total Sexy Health, you get something else. <laughs> fair enough. Probably fair enough. Th- thanks for the clarification. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been in this game for a long time. You and still bringing so much energy and enthusiasm and humor and passion. What keeps you passionate about this area? <laughs> you know, the if you look at human nature, passion doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. There is passion in every human being. What is missing is a lot of the time we spend our awareness outside of ourselves and our passion isn't outside, our passion is inside. And so when we say we're looking for job satisfaction, for instance, we say, uh, I want a job that'll bring me satisfaction. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. The satisfaction in your work comes from the satisfaction you bring into it. The passion that you, that you live by comes from the passion that, that is within you. And sometimes something on the outside will trigger it. But if you're smart and you are able to go into your own being because you take the time to do it and you get good at it, you can be passionate about anything you want to be passionate about. You can bring passion to anything, you know, and then it's a more matter of looking at something and saying, you know what, that area needs some passion. (laughs) Let me pour it on. Mm. And so what, what fuels your passion specifically then? Well, life fuels passion. Life is the power. Life is the passion. And it runs through a human body. Like if you, this is like, if you, if you, if I ask you whose body is that point, I pointed your body and say, whose body is that? You'll say my body, right? This is my body, right? Yes. You have just told me that you are not the body. You have just told me that you are the owner of the body. If you say, this is my body. And we say it, it's in the language that we are not the body, but we, kind of miss it so who are you you are life life runs the body life weighs nothing runs everything is indestructible knows everything about you 
is all the power in your body and is all the knowledge in your body. And there is also where your passion is because life is energy. Yes. Whether it comes from the sun, you know, it's, it does come from the sun. The energy that is life comes from the sun, but you are that energy. But we live as though we were the body. And here's what's, what's really crazy about it. The body is terminal. There's always something going wrong with the body. There is not, never anything going wrong with life. Life is indestructible. Life is perfect health. In that perfect health, everything is possible. Mm. But you have to be able to, you know, that's, it's, not a, it's not as a concept or a belief. It's as a direct experience of the energy. If you, if you, if you can sit still long enough in the dark and close your eyes, first you'll see black. And then slowly, slowly, you'll start to see light in the darkness. There is light in your darkness. There is sound in your silence. Mm. There, is, there is feeling in your emptiness. But you have to be willing to take the time to actually sit with yourself. And that's what we don't do. So we're running out there, got to do this and got to do that and got to do that and whatever it takes, you know, and push, push, push. And the balance for that is to do nothing just as hard. But we don't do that. And burnout is our biggest issue. I just, in fact, just before I got on, I was uh, reading something from Japan. They're paying people to sleep. And so they have wow. an app so they can monitor their sleep. And if they sleep more than six hours a night, then they pay them extra. And they can make wow. 750 bucks a year just for sleeping more. And the reason why the companies are doing that is because they perform better. Because when you're burned out, you make mistakes. When you're burned out, you, <laughs> you know? And, absolutely. And, and it's all because we don't balance our life. Uh, absolutely. We don't, balance, we don't balance doing with being. Or, you know, doing, going after, you know, pushing, 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 with doing nothing really hard. So work hard, play hard, and do nothing hard. That's about <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, well, we'll dive into some of those specifics as well. And clearly everything that you said uh, um, I, I would say is, is an evolved perspective on health and on passion and on life and energy. And you've been in this, you've certainly been exposed to a lot of this for, for many, many years. And it's part of yeah. maybe part of your DNA perhaps. Um, but where did this begin or maybe more more specifically, when did you first realize that, I don't know, there is a different way than what our broad society and culture teaches us about health and well-being. Yeah. When did you first realize um, realize that you had maybe more choice, or there was a different way of looking at it? Ah, uh, you know what? For me, it started really early. You know, and like I started working with fats because I got poisoned by pesticides. But I started on on my journey of of health and understanding very early because I was born during the Second World War. I was in Poland. My parents were from Latvia and Estonia. Uh, at the end of the war, I was two years old. We were refugees fleeing west into Germany from Poland, chased by the communists in tanks and trucks. And the allies were shooting at us from planes on the roads we were traveling on. Wow. And there were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And we made it out. I got left behind and I ended up in an orphanage for a bit. And then we eventually we got reunited. But that early experience, I don't remember that much about it other than the fear and the uncertainty and the and the confusion and the chaos and the hunger sometimes and and the fear and the and the anxiety and when we were in germany i was 6 years old and i listened to adults arguing about things and it just occurred to me i said there has to be a way that people can live in harmony and i'm going to find out how hmm. that's been my driver all my life so i went into science to understand how things work because I didn't know what I could rely on. There wasn't much that I felt I could rely on in my, you know, in my social circles. And so I went into science to figure out what, how things work. Then I got into biological sciences to figure out how creatures work. Then I got into psychology to figure out how thinking works. And after eight years of that, I left university because I still hadn't found what I was looking for. And uh, I end, ended up uh, getting into self-knowledge because I actually needed to know how, how I work. 
And so out of that, you know, it, every, not everything is physical. Yes. Your life is not physical. The awareness behind your life is not physical. Your inspiration is not physical. The most incredible things and experiences in life are not physical. Even, even when you have an orgasm, that's not physical. That's an, ener that's an energetic phenomenon. Like when you feel anything, you know, when you see anything, you, your senses uh, actually monitor energy yes. as sound, as, as, as light and color, you know, as feeling, as taste, as smell. You're actually, you're actually monitoring energies. And the energy that you are can also be monitored, but you have to bring your awareness backwards inside from yeah. where it began. Because behind and, and, and awareness is the container for everything. So I've been looking at this, all of this, what's true. And, you know, I, I for years, I could, you could, you could start any conversation about any topic. I would know within like 30 seconds. What was the chink in the armor? Mm. What was wrong with it? What, why wasn't it working? Where the problems came from? And I did that for many years. And then I, I got into saying, okay, well, let me, let me be at least, a, let, let me be at least one, uh, you know, one person who tries to make it better. Because if we don't make it better it, and we just drift, it'll get worse. Yes. And on that note, is in your 40 years of working in this field, 40 plus years perhaps, of working in this yeah. field of health and well-being, I'm sure you've seen a lot of things change and probably sadly, a lot of things haven't. What, what excites you about how far we've come in our perhaps our knowledge or what we do around health and wellness? And I guess the flip side of that would be what disappoints or frustrates you about what hasn't changed over those 40 years? <laughs> I don't get frustrated. I, 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 I spent... Uh, after I quit university, I spent a couple of years pretty angry. And I was, you know, I was being brutally honest with everybody. I got kicked out of every house I lived in for two years because, because of my brutal honesty. And, and by the end of that, I was so burned out, you know, because other people could get away from my anger, but I was living in it. And I got to a point where I said, you know what, there must be a better way to live my life. And I... I basically got into, uh, you know, taking the time to be calm and not thinking I had to, I had to direct everybody else's life and have an opinion about everything. And so what I do is, and when I started uh, teaching, you know, the, often you, you tell people, you give people really good advice and they don't put it in practice. And I decided when I saw that first, I was frustrated. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to do the best I can to give uh, the best, accurate, inspiring information that I can. And then I'm not going to pay attention to what people do with it because that's their job. And I'm not going to suffer because people don't put my brilliant ideas into practice. Yes. Right. You, can, you can't do it. And so I say, I say to people now, listen, I believe in democracy. I will give you the best information I can. Because if I lie to you, I'm actually, it's actually a dictatorship. Because lying is a form of dictatorship because you lose your choice. You can't make good choices on bad information. And so I, uh, you know, uh, so I'll give you the most accurate information I can. And I don't care what you do with it. Mm. Because you can use good information to wreck yourself. And you can use good information to make your life better. But I... I will not take responsibility for what you need to do. And I learned that from psychologists too. They said, you know, when, when you're more interested in, this, in, a, in a patient getting well than the patient is, then the patient can use your interest for their health against you to defeat you. Yes. Don't, don't put yourself in that position. I agree so he that. would say to people, my professor said, he would say to people, you know, I don't give a shit if you get better or not. The reason why I'm talking to you is, is I find human nature really fascinating. So whether you get better or not, I'm getting my needs met. And if you want to get better, then you better take care of that yourself. And so so he, would, he would be pretty out front with them. 
Yes, and, and so and so, what what has fascinated you in your forty years of what you know what's what developments have come along or how, how what things have changed over those years? What, what do you find fascinating about that? I, I I think I I think what what is what is the biggest problem is also the biggest gift. Let me give you an example. We're really screwing up the environment. That's a problem. But you know what? It's also a gift because it's putting a lot of pressure on people to change. Yep. You know, we're screwing up our politics, and that's a problem. But yeah, I've noticed that the worst, the worst governments end up making the people most inventive. So if you have a like in the U.S., if they have a good president, they all get lazy. If they have a bad president, they they start saying, "Well, I can do better than that." Yes. And or he or we're not going to get it from our government. What do I want this country to be? Yes. What kind of America do I want to live in? And guess what? If you have, you know, in Canada, same, right? If 36 million people in Canada took on that I am the prime minister of my little sphere of influence, I am in charge of this. I am the guy who is going to create whatever that should be, whatever my little sphere of Canada will be. I will take that responsibility and and I will do what I need to do in order for people to have a, a rich, full life, because that's what everybody wants. Yes. And why would I not take responsibility for that? Because, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau doesn't live in my trench. Yes. So he, he, you know, he has virtually no influence in my little trench. And I have almost all influence in my trench. So let, let's, let's help people take some responsibility and, and let's talk of some specifically about maybe some, maybe some misconceptions or some some bad data that's out there. You know, I think my belief is one of the biggest changes or gaps in what we um, how we consume food is the knowledge of how much our food supply chain has changed over the last few decades, or whether it's the farming processes or the you know the production and shelf life. You know, what we grew up on is what not what we are consuming now. Can you, yeah. can you ground us in some truths, perhaps some uncomfortable truths that we as a society is, can't really ignore when it comes to food and eating in today's world? Well, I, I think uh, I always go back to nature and say, well, how was it in nature? Because we before we got civilized and we invented pesticides and we made machines to process food, none of which ever makes the food better. How was it in nature? Well, nature's mandate for every creature pretty much was fresh, whole, raw, organic. And there's lots of research that it should also be mostly plant-based if you want the longest life and, and the best of health. And, <clears throat> and so instead of looking at what is changing, and because it's always changing when you're living out of line with nature, when that's not your standard that you're aiming for, then you're always going to drift more and more from that standard because then you're doing it for money you're not even doing it for health, then you're doing it for money, and money corrupts when it, when it becomes more than a, a, a servant, uh, a, a means of trade. You know, for a lot of people, money has become the goal. And the goal, that, that's a stupid goal. Well, and, and uh, part of that, I'm sure, is, is, is the part of the money goal is it's saving money. So it's, I'll go for the four ninety nine Big Mac meal because yeah. it's cheaper, rather than ever thinking about food as a health choice. Well, food is always a health choice because your body is made out of food, air, water, and light. That's it, period. Yes. So if your food, air, water, and light are in line with nature and are fresh and clean, then you have a pretty good chance of living a good life. How many people do you know who actually live that way? You know, that's, uh, but, but, but uh, so the processing is the biggest issue that that you need to avoid. So eat the foods the way nature made them. And then if you're frying, you will fry your health. Frying is the worst thing we've ever invented to do with food. So go in the direction of cooking in water. And if you're cooking in water, go in the direction of not cooking. And so, so there's a direction to go in back to with always the standard of in nature, everything was fresh, whole, raw, and organic, unless the food is contaminated, in which case you need to cook it. But then you need to cook it in water. 
So let's let's back this up a bit because I think you're, you're touching on some really important things here. Uh, you said that frying food is the worst thing or the dumbest thing we've ever done to our health. Let's, let's start with that statement. Can you just expand yeah. on that and, and what we need to utterly understand sure. about frying food? Sure. Uh, and, and part of the reason why I specialized in oils, oils have essential nutrients in them, omega-3 and omega-6. Those are the most sensitive of all of our essential nutrients. They are damaged by light, by oxygen, by heat pretty rapidly. And so because of that, we should be giving them the most care, but we don't. We give them the least care. So we throw oil in a frying pan where light, oxygen, and high temperature damage the oil all at the same time. And then everything we fry, we burn because that's why it turns brown. And you're taking molecules that exist in nature that life made you a breakdown program for. And you're turning them into molecules that never existed in nature as food. And life, therefore, never made a breakdown product pro, uh, program for them. So when they end up in your body, they become monkey wrenches into your biochemical architecture. And they interfere with processes that need to be going on that require fresh, whole, raw, organic foods and their, and their uh, ingredients. And when they and then when they interfere with what's going on in your body, guess what that is? That's where the disease begins. Disease begins at the level of interactions between molecules in your body because molecules don't get sick and atoms don't get sick and electrons don't get sick and energy doesn't get sick and awareness doesn't get sick. It's at the level of interactions with molecules that disease starts. And there's only two things that are a problem at that level. One is either you're not getting enough of something that should be there, that's called essential nutrients that your body can't make. There's about 50 of them, minerals, vitamins, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids. Either you're not getting enough of those, so life can't do its job to build a body that works, or there's something there that shouldn't be there, and that's called toxicity. And that's all the, the industrial molecules, and the, the changed food molecules. And when, uh, when, when you, you know, and then the way you cure the disease is you optimize your intake of the essential nutrients, make sure you get all of them, make sure you get most of them in food, in whole food form, and you avoid the toxins. So you go organic and you go fresh and you may, and then you detox as well. Detox means sweating, uh, drinking lots of water. Uh, you can s sweat out oil-soluble toxins by taking extra oil. Uh, and, and your body is a detox mechanism and your liver is a detox organ. And you can help it along with a, a number of different herbs that support it in its detox function. And then you want to make sure you have enough fiber in your, in your diet so that the toxins the liver dumps into your intestine end up in your toilet and are not reabsorbed into your body. Mm. And, and then the third thing you want to do is you want to make sure digestion works. And for that, you use enzymes, probiotics, fiber, and bitters, because everything in your body has to go through the digestive system. And digestion after oils is the second most neglected area of nutrition. If your digestion doesn't work, not much in your body is going to work for long. Yes. So, you, so you deal with that. And then the other one is you need to be physically active because if you're not physically active, then you don't need a body. The body is made for physical activity. And, uh, and if you do those things, you can be pretty much, well, you can be as healthy as I am when you're 77. <laughs> At least that. I can't, I can't make claims for anything more than that. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, at 77, I have no pains. You know, I had arthritis in my knees at 38. I don't have any arthritis now. Great. And, it, and it's because I got poisoned then and I, I straightened up my diet and I now, now I pay attention. And I love my life enough to want to make, prolong it as long as possible because it's really fun to live here. And that's <laughs> probably the best medicine is joy. Yes. Yes. You know, it's joy is is feeling feeling grateful and happy to be alive. Great, I, I love that. We'll, we'll we'll dive into that in a second. I want, want to come back and just ask a very very tactical question. You mentioned that 
you know, what destroys uh, oil is light, oxygen, and heat. So a really practical yeah. question. Should we keep all of our oils in in darkness in the shade? Or if, even if it's a colored bottle, is it okay to keep it on the countertop or by the oven? Or uh, I keep my oils in the fridge where it's dark, where it's pitch black when the when the door closes. Some people don't know that because every time you open the door, it's light in there, right? <laughs> but when you close the door, the light goes out. That's right. So, yeah. Tip number one, yeah. Yeah, and so it's stored cold. It's stored uh, um, in the dark. And obviously, keep it closed because slowly oxygen will, will uh, make damage oil once it's open. But that happens slowly because we're refrigerating it. And when you refrigerate things, uh, they every for any for every ten degrees Celsius go you go down. You you want it specific? I'm getting really specific. Yeah. For every ten degrees Celsius that you go down in temperature, you cut the rate of reaction of molecules in a half or a third or a quarter. Hmm. And so even from you go go from from room temperature at let's say 24. I'm just to make the yeah. math easy down to four, you're talking about four, six, or eight times slower damage to the oil. And that's, uh, that's true even for your, 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 your bog standard uh, olive oil that you buy at a grocery store. That's true for any oil, okay. except the omega-3s are five times more sensitive, so they get spoiled five times faster than omega-6s. Omega-6s, those two are essential. The omega-6s get damaged two and a half times faster than omega-9s, which is what you find in olive oil. And omega-9s get damaged two and a half times slower than saturated fats. Mm. So there's a shelf life issue that depends on the reactivity of the oil. The best oil for you is the, the oil that is most sensitive and needs the most care. Okay. So again, I'll just stay with this specific question here, but a, a selfish question is my wife and I, we do uh, cook. We're, we're, we are pescatarian. We, we eat fish. We do eat eggs. We do not eat uh, uh, beef or chicken or poultry. Um, and so we, eat, uh, we do cook with a lot of, cook with a lot of, we, we use oil and fats frequently. We don't use a lot, but we use it frequently. So we often use coconut oil as our main kind of uh, frying egg oil, or we might use grass-fed butter. Talk, yeah. talk, talk to me a little bit about and help our listeners out if they're kind of, you know, your average consumer who might have well, see, an olive oil and other types of oils in their fridge. What should they use? What should they not see, use? See, you said you were, you were selfish when you began, but actually you're not selfish. You're foolish. Okay. If you were really selfish, it would be, you would do whatever is really good for you. And that would also be good for other people. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, so because you're doing something that's harmful to you. So, so, that's, so, so uh, shed the light there. What should I be doing? Yeah. Well, you, yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, uh, fish is now the dirtiest meat on the planet. And that's because everything that we dump on the land goes downhill. Everything dissolves in water. Everything gets, ends up in the, in the, in the water, in the, first in the rivers, then in the lakes, then in the ocean. And, and, and fish is now the dirtiest meat. And I don't eat it anymore because mm -hmm. of that, because I know too much. And that's, we have done that to ourselves. Plus, uh, it, by 2050, there will be no fish because they've overfished and overfished and overfished and, and damaged the environments. And, uh, or we have, let's say we have, right? Yes. And uh, so the fish are, the fish are going to be history pretty quick. Um, the, the eggs, you can soft boil them, hard boil them, water scramble them, uh, poach them. You don't need to fry them. Frying, f frying, fried oils, fried fats, fry health, fried eggs, fry health, fried foods, fry health. And the research shows that if you burn um, carbohydrates or you burn protein or you burn fat, each one of them, independent of the others, increases cancer and inflammation. That's what the research says. So it, it, on days when you're in your right mind, you use water for cooking or you eat raw. And, and there's, it's easy to make eggs without cooking them. 
yes. without frying them. I mean, yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Right? The same thing with people for people who say, Oh, I love steak and I got it and I love the bird. You know, you don't. That stuff tastes disgusting. <laughs> what we used to do when we were kids, we used to throw the we, we'd cut the cut the the meat into cubes and throw it in the stew with vegetables and spices. And it tasted amazing and it wasn't burnt. Yes. So, and what do you think about, um, uh, okay, so maybe it's not frying, but even to the using of uh, butter, grass fed butter? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it, butter is probably better than ghee because ghee is more processed. Yeah. Um, a little butter is probably okay. But the only thing that's really important because it's it's essential is that you make sure you get omega-3s and omega-6s made with health in mind, undamaged, at a rate of a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day, mixed in food, spread out over the course of the day. Uh, if you've done that, then having a little butter is okay. If you haven't done that, saturated fats make essential fatty acid deficiency worse because they can compete in the body. Mm. So the, the one thing that, you know, I mean, your question is like a Russian roulette question. I, I, I love that question because m m more people will ask me, what can I get away with? Right. Then ask me, what would I need to do to have the best health and the longest life? But I think best health and longest life is a better question. I agree. The other one, the other one is what can I get away with? But, and the, yeah. truth is, the truth is nobody gets away with anything. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, karma is instant, both in terms of how you feel and in terms of what goes on in your body. So let's go to that better question then. Let's go to that better question. I, I appreciate you enlightening uh, entertaining me yeah. of going to my specific questions about my own habits. But let's go to that bigger, <laughs> yeah. bigger question. How do you create... Uh, optimal health, long life. Okay, the, 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 if you want, if you, if you want the, the whole picture, I'll give you the whole picture. So the book is called the, the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature. And why the eight key parts? When you talk food and fitness, you're only talking about one out of the eight parts that affect health. And they all affect health in a different way. And they all need a different kind of attention. And they all go off in a different way and they all respond to a different kind of intervention. So where you start, and I call this beyond health, beyond health is awareness. What is awareness? Well, you, you know, people are listening to me. It's awareness that makes them listen, not their ears. It's awareness that makes them able to listen. And the awareness uses ears as an instrument, but awareness is is the container in that that registers everything. So that one, that awareness is where your peace lives. Peace is good for longevity, and it's a real peace. It's a it's a, where there's nothing going on, and you it's totally calm. And that peace, I call it internal awareness. That peace is the core of your being. That's where you come from, and that's where you go when you die, into that awareness. And in, in the meantime, in between, when you come in, when you're, when you're in your mother's womb, you're mostly in that awareness. So you're, I call it the Buddha tank, because there's nothing to do and it's safe and nowhere to go. And so you're just hanging out, doing nothing in the Buddha tank. When we come out, then we have to get to know the world and our awareness, the focus of awareness moves out through our senses into the world. And in that process, we get to know the world and we disconnect from, from that awareness. And that's where heartache begins. That's where emptiness begins. Begins early in life, but we don't identify it as, as long as we have lots of distractions. When we run out of distractions, we tend to feel empty. That's where midlife crisis comes from. And that's where the blues come from if somebody dumps you. And that's where your loneliness comes from if you're looking for a connection. And I have, a, I have like 10 pages of what people call this thing that you feel it in your chest and it's like something is missing. It's a loss. You, it's, it could be grief, could be sorrow, could be sadness, 
could be depression, uh, but you feel it in your heart, something, something is missing. So that when you get that connected, everything in your life changes because you turn from a taker to a giver. Because once you feel taken care of, there's nothing left to do but to help, to give. When, until you feel taken care of, everything you do will have an element in it of how is this going to take care of me? And then you won't do some things that need to be done because you can't see that they'll take care of you. Yes. It's very interesting, that change, that shift. So from a taker to a giver. So that's the first one. The second one is life energy. We talked about it a little bit. That's your power. That's your energy. If you're in touch with that, you, you have energy. People ask me sometimes, how at, at your age, how can you have so much energy? And my answer is always, I, I'm, I'm not wasting my energy in my head because when you're not connected to your life, you're likely to be in your head fighting with yourself about your belief systems, your contradictory belief systems. So I'm not in, in my head, I'm in the energy, and I know what my purpose is. So I don't waste any energy. It's not like I have more energy than everybody else. It's just that I, I yeah. waste, I waste less. Yeah, that makes sense. Number three, out of the energy comes inspiration. Inspiration is the shine of that energy. And all of those have nothing to do with conditions. Those are unconditional. Anytime you want to bring your awareness there, you will discover that there's that light in you, there's that, that sound in you, there's that awareness in you, there's that inspiration in you. Those are pre-goals. Uh, you know, pre you know, they're not, they don't come, you know, you don't get, you don't feel that, that. You don't feel love and you don't feel fulfillment after you do something. Yep. That's how we mostly live. The truth is your fulfillment already lives inside of you. You put conditions on it when you say, I'll feel good when I accomplish something. Yes. Then you, what you do is a lot, most of the time you're working on it, you haven't accomplished that. So you're not going to be fulfilled when in fact you were made fulfilled. And I think that's one of the, one of the big, big, big uh, misconceptions that human beings have, that we are not whole and complete, independent of any of our doing. Yes. So that's number three. Number four is the body. That's food and fitness. And we already talked about that a little bit and detox and sleep and rest and activity. And then the next one is I call survival skills. And that's basically um, number one. One is conf confidence, which comes from being present in your own space. You know, that comes more from awareness and life energy than from anything else that you you can do and then survival skills so you know how to you know you know you know where to get the water and you know how to chop chop your wood and you know you know what to do when when you get floods or earthquakes or whatever and those skills you learn it's a good idea to be good at crisis management even though crisis is supposed to make up less than one percent of your time on earth yes and then next to that is uh, um, social group. You know, that affects health. Who you hang out with affects your health. In fact, we have, as kids, we used to sometimes say to people, you make me sick, right? Because we, because we know that people affect our health. Yeah, absolutely. We even knew it as kids. And then there's environment. What's your environment like? There are certain environments that are probably not best to live in, uh, like below the below the high tide mark <laughs> yes be below the the tidal wave mark you know uh on on the slopes of an active volcano you know but people live there right it's like kind of stupid actually and um you know and then what we do to the environment is is now the big deal so and we have a saying i have a saying for that that i somebody carved into a log on a beach in way back when and it said shit in your nest and you nest in your shit <laughs> and i think that sums up all of the environmental issues that's true so that's number seven and then number eight is you know how you are with the big picture you know you, here you are in a terminal body you know you get four four billion years of water and dust 
then you get a hundred years of in a human body, then you get four billion years of water and dust. And how are you being this temporary being in an infinite universe and being okay with that and being willing to accept it and living your life ultimately fully present in all of your being and your surroundings, not lost in thoughts and beliefs in your head. That's the way I define total health, fully present in all of your being. So in your, in your awareness, in your energy, in your inspiration, in your body and in your survival smarts and in your social group, in your environment and in your big, in the big picture. So you, if you're aware of all of that at the same time and not lost in thoughts in your head, then you have, you, you're going to have an unbelievably good life. Hmm. So I love you. I love your eight part framework there. And yeah. so I can certainly see how all those work together at a, a absolutely a, a high level and a, and a practical level. And yeah. Been... And each one of them has a different nature and a different function. So it yeah. needs a different kind of attention. Yeah. So, so you've been, you've been teaching about health and around these eight parts for, for many, many years. You know, if we could, um, be a fly on the wall in some of your, your lectures and some of your classes and even your personal one-on-one -on -one conversations with people that you consult with. And if someone's came to you and said, okay, so I want to take my health to the next level. Yeah. Where, where in practice do you think, where do most people need to start and, or maybe where do most people go wrong when they think they want to take their health to the next level? Okay. I, well, it depends on whether, you know, when you, when somebody says, I want to take my health to the next level, it depends on where they are that will determine where the, where the, what the next level will be. Yes. <clears throat> but I'll do it. But so that's, so that would be a conversation I would have to have with them because I need to know where, you know, you need to know where you are in order to know what direction you need to go in to get to your next goal. Yes. And if, other, just sorry. If, if I don't know where you are, I don't know where you're going. And I appreciate, okay. you know, you might have but, a, and, and I just want to stay on that for a second. I appreciate you may have a very in-depth conversation to figure out where the person is or help them figure out. But yeah. for someone listening to this, might there be yeah. a couple of, you know, one or two key questions they should be asking themselves or key ways to evaluate where they are on their current health as a baseline yeah. to start with? Well, well, let me not go there yet because okay. what I want to do is that if you're really smart and if you knew what you need to know that you have forgotten, you would start with awareness you would then go to life energy. You would then go to inspiration. You would then go to body. You would yes. then go. So you'd literally be working from the core of your being outward. Yes. You would then go to the survival smarts. You would then go to group. You would then go to environment. You would then go to big picture. So literally from the perspective of what's important, what's most important, you would have to start with the middle. And how do you start to from the middle? You get in touch with the ache in your heart and you sit with that ache and you try to find your way behind it because there is where your wholeness lives. Mm. Right behind that heartache is your wholeness. Mm. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> now, not everybody's open to that because we've become, we've forgotten that we were built that way and we've become materialists. Yes. And so we want bigger muscles and bigger penises and bigger thises and bigger thats. You know, but that's not, you know, and then people I know, I remember for years, people would say to me, you know, I'm the reason why I work out and build a, build a body and, you know, and, and there's discipline involved. And then that translates to everything else I do. <laughs> but my observation is it doesn't. Yes. And because you have to be just as clear about another goal you want to achieve and just as, as disciplined about it as you are about looking good. And looking good is like, you know, everybody wants to look good. You even want to look good when you're dead, right? <laughs> so we paint our corpses and all of that. It's, I mean, it's, it's you know, and, and vanity is, uh, I, I heard, was the devil's favorite sin, at least in the, in the advocate, in the movie it was. Vanity, vanity, my favorite sin. So, <clears throat> so looking good is different from being kind and just because you've been able to have the discipline to look good because looking good is really your goal 
you know, kindness is not is not necessarily your goal. So whatever your goal is, if you're clear about it and you and 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 you have a reason for it, then you know you can come up with the with the discipline and, and the method for doing that. <clears throat> but what 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 is your perspective? And the problem is that most people don't have perspective on what the options are. So the reason I wrote the book is to say, look at here's the eight parts that you got to look at if you want the whole picture. And you you can decide which one you want to work on, mm-hmm. but you got to understand life is more important than your body because life will not die when you die. And by the time your body cr- crashes, hopefully you are actually uh, connected to life and stay in that, mm. right? And it's also more satisfying. It's also, you know, awareness is is where your wholeness lives. Yes. If you if you're not aware, you know, of of the the core of your being, then there's always going to be something missing from your wholeness, something missing from your love, something missing missing from feeling cared for, something missing from your peace, because that's where they live. And then it doesn't matter how many good deals you make with enemies that you've defined, you know, or how many bullets you shoot and how many people you beat up, you know, peace doesn't come from doing any of doing any of that. Well, you... we, we define it that way. People who, who people who are ignorant of that peace have made other definitions for peace. But frankly, they don't get peace out of those definitions and out of the actions they take based on this. Definitely. And I don't know if it's been your experience. It certainly has been mine. You know, you mentioned earlier that that you know you don't know. Some, sometimes people aren't ready for that level of answer or that level of you know where do they take their their, their health to the next level? It starts with awareness and right. deep, deeper awareness. The, the as you say, the the ache and your heartache. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's been your experience, but certainly for me in the last ten years, as I've had the chance to travel the world and run workshops for for groups, yeah. I find that more and more people all are ready for that deeper level of connection to themselves because they are, as you said, more burned yeah, out, more stressed, you know more overwhelmed than they've ever, ever have been before. And they're seeking a different kind of answer. Yeah. You know, it goes like this, all the masters like Buddha and Christ and Krishna and those guys, they talked about this deeper level. That's, they were teachers of human nature. Yeah. So they taught people how to live because they knew all of it. They were present in all of it. So every one of us has in us what they had in them. And they said that. And we somehow, and then somebody got a hold of it and turned it into an institution. And we became followers instead of mastering what the masters mastered. And the masters always said, do the insight first. You know, get in touch with the awareness first. Do the life thing first. Do the inspiration thing first. Get present in your own presence first and do everything else will become much easier what we do is we put it last so we've fucked up the environment and we've we've screwed up our politics and we screw up our relationships and we screw up our health and finally we get to the point where we're so under pressure and in pain to change and then we begin to open up and you know what's cool about it is even if we take even if we do last what we were what we were advised to put first it still works <laughs> what are the pract- what are what are the practices that you have to master what the masters have mastered what are what are some of the daily things in udo's life that have helped you stay whatever disciplined or grounded or healthy or yeah. whatever it may be <clears throat> well the biggest thing is the biggest single thing is you have to take time to sit still and do nothing and the reason why, it's like when you, when you do things, you make your world smaller. And when you do nothing, your world becomes bigger. So do nothing to become everything. Why is that? Because in your being, you are connected to the whole universe. Everything is connected. But it exists on a level to which we don't go most of the time. So you make a decision to do something and you have to cut off all the other things that you could be doing instead. So you're shrinking your world. You're making it like, it's like you make it small enough so that you can be the hero who who accomplished it. Right. 
So the most important single thing to do, sit down and do nothing. And for you, does that is that would you would you categorize that as meditation? And and just would love to get you know get really kind of geeking yeah. out on the specifics here. Well, yeah. Kind of when do you do it? How do you do it? Where do you do it? Okay. Well, yeah, you could call it meditation. You could call it self knowledge. It's really about getting to know yourself, like like Socrates said, right? Socrates' deal was know thyself. Mm-hmm. Why did he say that? Why didn't he say know everything except thyself? That's what we do, right? <laughs> Yes. Why did he say that? Because he says when, because there's something worth knowing. He also said the unexamined life is not worth living, mm. right? Because all of the goodies that you're looking for, that you're chasing in the world, you already have them built in. You came loaded with them when you when you were born, but your awareness wandered away. So the idea of sitting still or lying still or standing still, just being still, and closing your eyes and breathing quietly, as quietly as possible, and then feeling into yourself, looking into yourself, listening into yourself, discovering what's there, getting as quiet as you can, as still as you can, as long as you can, as deep as you can, and just discover what's there. Because that's more than that's more you than what you usually do. I do that in the morning. I do it lying lying down, and literally the point is to shut off the outside. You know, to get out of my head. Yeah. To get out of my body because I want to get into the energy and into the awareness. And when you say get into the energy, what does that what does that mean then? How, or if, you know, how, how how would someone else try to understand what you mean by that? Yeah. The, well, it's the awareness. Like everything okay. is awareness. Your awareness, if your awareness is plastered o- over the surfaces of things, that's what, you, that's what you get to know. And so that's how you get to know the world, right? If your awareness is on your body, you get to know your body. If your awareness is on your thoughts, you get to know your thoughts. And they, that becomes your reality. If your awareness goes into your breathing, that takes you out of your head and gets you to a quieter place. If you're awareness goes to the energy that keeps you alive then that becomes your that becomes your knowledge and it takes time because we've we've become really good at going out and we're not very good at going in because we hardly ever practice that's right yeah so it takes time but we're under pressure to do that and when you do it i i don't know if you could feel it when I, i just did it just you know when i could certainly feel it i could feel it too yeah 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 so so there's something, so there, so that's part of my being, is that feeling. I love that. And it's been and a... Fundamentally, you can, you can try and do it yourself. I always tell people, try to do it yourself. If you want a starting place, start with the, your, the ache that, that you feel in your chest, because that gets you really close. And then you just have to slip behind it, because you can't even measure how close behind it is what you're looking for. So, and if that doesn't work because you you get pulled into your head, go and talk, go and listen to inspired people, go and read some books about what it's like to to bring your awareness back inside. Go and listen to somebody who knows more than you do, or find a master who teaches that. And any of them, any possibility, whatever gets you there. You know, to me, it's not as important how you do it then that you do it. What are some of the books that really change your life or change your perspective on life and health? Um, Wow. Right now, topical is some of Joe Dispenza's stuff. Yes. That's pretty topical. Uh, That's new, of course. Uh, But uh, Bhagavad Gita is very nice. The Upanishads are very nice. I, I read those many, many years ago. Um, New Testament, I, I got the red letter edition because I only wanted to know what the master said. I didn't, wanna, I didn't, I didn't care what his crazy disciples had to say. Because <laughs> I was really interested in, you know, because, you know, I got to the point where I said, you know, my, my grandfather hasn't been dead for 50 years and nobody remembers him. Why, why are they still talking about this guy from 2,000 years ago? Yes. 
and I, and I said, there must be some, there must have been something there, but I don't know what it is. So I got the red letter edition to try and get a, you know, that's all we got, right? We, I'm not there. I'm not there 2000 years ago. All I have is a book and that has some quotes in it. God knows whether the translations are, are good, but maybe is there still something in there that is useful? And there's a lot of stuff in there mm. that when, you know, I, I'll give you an example. You know, we were always told you can't see God and live. If you see God, you die. But then you read the book and there's, there's a whole bunch of people who saw God and lived. So it's like, well, why can't you see God and live? Well, it's because somebody said so because they didn't want you to get out of line. <laughs> right? And uh, or then there's a, a thing where he says what you have done to one of the least of these that you have done to me. Well, who's one of the least of these? Well, anybody that that you think is below beneath you. But what but what is he saying? He's saying, I, well, the only way it makes sense to me is that he's saying, I am in every one of these least of these. I am in everyone. And in fact, if you if you derive it, the energy that keeps you alive is Christ in you. You know, I'm I'm using that because it's a Christian uh, culture. Yes. I know the culture better than the than the Hindu culture, but just just that point, the energy that keeps you alive is the light in you, is mm. the life in you, is the God in you, because it's all powerful, all know, all knowing, and all all present. Right. We that's that was our definition of God, omnipresent, omniscient omnipotent well life in you is that so I, that would god, I, god in you right I, I very much value your whole very very holistic view on health yeah. and well-being yeah and now, let, let me take it back out of religion and put it back in science in science they've figured out the unified field what is a unified field well they're trying to get a formula for it but they can't because the unified field is so simple and so real that you can't make a formula out of it, but you can experience it. And, and that's what awareness is. So the unified field and awareness and God are synonyms. So we're now, and I think one of the greatest, one of the coolest things is that science has come to the same conclusion by research and by trying to figure it out that the masters came to by their own experience. And so now you get it both ways. Science, you know, we're not living according to, to quantum, quantum physics, uh, because if we did, we would be living differently. We're still living by Newton and, and yeah. the materialists, right? Yes. But the thing is, your, your most important aspect is not material. Your yes. life is not material. Yes. It's, it's immaterial, but it's not unimportant. Hmm. Right? So if you take take all of that, everything yeah. you said there, and um, again, grounding it for the listener into some things that they might like to change, and we know that changing behaviors or habits around health, it's certainly around food, it can be yeah. very difficult at times, even for those who are motivated. Um, what have you found? What, what are some of the guiding principles or organizing principles that you found to be most effective that people really need to wrap their heads around if they want to make some of these changes, if they want to get their health to the next level, it's one thing right. to know it, but to put it in practice, what do they yeah. need to know? The reason why it's hard to make changes is we live in, in mental ruts. And, uh, and these are like, these are things we've thought over and over and over again and done over and over and over again. And they've become mental habits in mental ruts. And, and those ruts are comfortable. Even if they're off, even if they're, even if they're taking you off the cliff, they're comfortable. So getting out is not easy. I found that information was helpful, but inspiration was just as important. When people are inspired, inspiration frees energy, takes them out of the rut, and then it still takes effort to make change, but it's a whole lot less effort. Yes. When, when you are so in love with your life that you want to be, the, be here as long as you can, and as healthy as you can, and as active as you can, because... You know, because it's so good. 
then you will make the changes that you need to make mm. to make that happen. But if you're not that inspired, oh, fuck, it's all too much work, right? And if you are depressed enough because you're not excited about being alive, being alive, then some people kill themselves. So it really has to do with how do you build the energy? You know, energy is also healing. Energy is inspiring. When you do practice, when you practice self-knowledge, you actually reverse aging because you get real rest. In that place, you get more rest than you get when you're sleeping because your mind is, is, you know, your mind is still tripping when you're sleeping. When you're in deep meditation, your mind's not tripping, right? So, so, but it comes back to, uh, the, you know, when people lose their reason to live, you know, I think hopelessness or, or, you know, something, something they put their whole life in breaks down, then yes. they often check out very quickly. Yes. Right. So what does it take? And I'm, and what I'm saying is everything, everything that was in the masters that made them amazing, that made them inspiring is also in you find that hmm. from there everything else becomes easy relative hmm. from there but but if you're trying to push yourself and you know and like if if the energy isn't there if you're not enjoying your life the first thing you need to do is not change your food habits the first thing you need to do is find find your life yes and when you find your life, you will you will experience it as worth living. I often describe it as uh, getting up to the balcony, getting, getting that higher level perspective to look right. down on how you're living. And as you, I love what you described there as that ache in your right. heartache is finding out what's really going on. What really do you want? Uh, yeah. What really are the what really is the direction that you're going? And yeah. and if you're dissatisfied, then you owe it to yourself to take 100% responsibility for making that yeah. change. And, and you know, when you ask people, you know, if you when, when they don't feel good, you know, what do you want? What do you want? Ultimately, it always goes to, I just want to be happy. Mm. I just want to be happy. Yeah. I just want to be happy. It's built in. I mean, it's built in. It's like they don't come up with it originally. It's built in. Yes. Everybody wants to be happy. If you're not happy, you want to be happy. Well, happy lives inside of you. The first thing you need to know is you don't need to get it from outside. It doesn't depend on a a million dollars. It doesn't depend on the girlfriend. It doesn't depend on the job you have. Happiness lives inside of you. You already have it, but you need to look inside to get yes. in touch. Well, it reminds me of some of what I heard someone say the other day. It's, you know, what, what do we want for our loved ones? We want them to be healthy and happy. What do we yeah. want for ourselves? Well, we want the car. We want the next promotion. We want the bigger screen TV. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that sometimes we need need to get up on that balcony to get a get a perspective. And I appreciate all the perspectives that you've you've yeah, brought yeah. here. And if someone wanted to, you know, before I ask the final question, if someone wanted to master what you as a master have learned, how how can people get in touch with you? Where would be the best place to reach out to you? Uh, well, for the products that I work with, udoschoice.com. And for this stuff that I'm talking about now, udoerasmus.com or theudo.com. <laughs> right. Well, we'll include those. We'll include those links in our show notes for sure. Yeah, and we're doing. And we're doing. Uh, I'm. I'm now doing courses. Just starting to get that together. It's. It's a lot of work, but. But I have so much. I mean, I have so much information, and and it's a shame. It would be a shame to die without all that information under my bed. Yes, I saw I've seen on your website that uh, you've got a lot of products on there. So I do encourage everyone to go to uh, the websites that we'll have in our show notes, uh, the ones that you mentioned there. So my, my final question to you, Udo, is for your time on the Ignition Show, what do you hope to ignite in the world? Oh, my goal is, you know, I, I, I did a Tony Robbins course twice when I was in Platinum Partnership. And I remember him saying one time, you know, everything you believe is not true. Everything you think is not true. Nothing you think is true. And I sort of blew by me. And I didn't get it. And the second time I heard him say it, I, I had an orgasm. <laughs> oh, my God. If nothing I believe is true, I can make it up any way I want. And I can live into what I make up. So I could actually make up something completely amazing that works for me and works for everybody else on the planet. So here's what I came up with. 
8 billion people live their lives lit up from within because the light is already there. It's just a matter of looking into it instead of looking away from it. When we do that, we will feel so cared for that we won't steal each other's stuff. When we stop stealing each other's stuff, we can live in harmony. When we live in harmony, it is very simple to make sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a long-term sustainable basis. Mm. That's my vision for the world. Well, your level of uh, awareness and certainly your life energy is an inspiration for me and I know for millions of others. And I very much appreciate the big picture that you brought to this conversation that you continue to bring in this world. And uh, I certainly couldn't say it better than you just said about what your mission is. So thank you for being you, Udo. And thank you for all that you've shared with us today. And I, I wish you all the best on your mission. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks very much, Udo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Udo Erasmus, a master in total sexy health and nutrition. You can find all the links in our show notes. We want you to get the most of the time you invested listening here. This show is only valuable if you apply what you learn, and most learning is generated from reflection. So we'd love to hear from you and your reflections about what you learned or found interesting. Join the community and go to theignitionshow.com connect. That's theignitionshow.com connect. And let us know what struck you. What was it that you heard today that you really needed to hear today? You can leave us an audio message or join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook, search The Ignition Show, and participate in the conversation there. We'd love to hear your comments and follow-up questions. Also, be sure to check out the after show of this episode. That's a shorter follow-up episode where we, my wife and business partner Sarah and I, talk about what we learned from this interview and how these ideas have shown up in our lives on a more personal basis. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website and respond to as many people as we can. And remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen, and this is The Ignition Show.